2: Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast, your one stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ Lafura, and alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a belly up sports podcast. We are what they aren't. We are coming f- to you partially from the bathroom of the hotel commonwealth in boston massachusetts but brandon how are you doing
3: lj doing good back on the show after taking me yesterday off uh yeah uh i'm doing good uh a lot of rainouts and it it was really cold today uh it was like 40 degrees or something when i went to the gym earlier and i It was, like, just raining. It was a very not-so-good weather day, and it's not looking like it's going to be a very nice weekend uh, in terms of the the weather. But there is a lot of good sports that have been on. NBA playoffs have been uh, pretty interesting and, of course, been watching uh, all the MLB games. So, yeah, uh, Yeah, I think we're in line for a good weekend.
2: That's the beauty of – or at least this – particularly this year, having everything be so late, but having the winter seasons end so late is that you're not entirely stuck watching all of these crazy early season rain out extravaganza that we always get in baseball. You don't have to just wait till the West coast games are on. You can go see some playoff baseball or basketball. You can go see some playoff hockey Odds are some form of college baseball or softball World Series game will be still going. So there's certainly something to find here.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, let's get on with the game recaps. Uh, We'll take the – I will start off with the game of the night, the Tigers and the Yankees. Uh, Jamer Candelario – He gets a single off of Garrett Cole in the bottom of the third to take a 1-0 Tigers lead. Uh, The game would be tied up top five when Ruben at a door with Homer, uh, and then it would be 1-1. That's the score that we have heading into extra innings. Top 10, uh, the Yankees score a run on a passed ball uh, to go up by one. Bottom of the 10th, Yankees bring in Justin Wilson to try to close it out. Uh, they have a one-run lead, and they get two outs, and they get two strikes. And Justin Wilson throws a pitch on the outside corner that doesn't get called a strike. In terms of the Yes Network graphic that they show after the pitch, where it's like the 3D animation of the pitch, it just missed the strike zone it's probably not a strike it's it's a very tough call very next pitch Robbie Grossman steps up and with a runner on down to the final strike hits a walk-off two-run home run for the Tigers to win three to two Uh, the win goes to Brian Garcia out of the Detroit bullpen Casey Mize got the start for them five innings five hits One run and seven K's. Uh, The loss goes to uh, Justin Wilson. He also gets a blown save. A a Garrett Cole got the start for the Yankees. Six innings, six hits, one earned, and five strikeouts. Uh, Certainly a tough loss for the Yankees. Uh, A game that I thought we had won, I mean, Heading into that uh, bottom of the 10th inning, I don't agree bringing in Justin Wilson. I feel like in that situation, for the Yankees, you have to use your best reliever available. Uh, Jonathan Loizaga has only thrown 27 pitches over the last four days. Not sure why he's not an option there. But, uh, yeah, I'll I'll stop rambling
2: now. Robbie, gross man with the disgusting homer. Um, Really, my only reaction to this is another look here at the starting pitching here. First off, another fantastic outing by Casey Mize. He has really turned it on since the end of April and into throughout May, being everything that we were expecting him to when he came up last season. But as far as Garrett Cole, you are a top pitcher in this league when you're a top pitcher in this league, no decisions absolutely destroy you because it's, it's ve- there's very few things that are truly separating the top pitchers in the game. There's very few concrete things that are going to be able to say, okay, this guy has been X much better than Shane Bieber or Carlos Rodon right now, depending on how, where you're putting him in terms of that, um,
1: Lance Ryan
2: Yarborough, Lance Lynn. Thank you. Um, anyone you want to put in there of the top guys. The the difference so often is who executed and got the team through the majority of a win. And I kind of talked about this on yesterday's show. Not trying to take a full on dig at Garrett Cole, more praising Shane Bieber, of the fact that he does so much and has seemingly been able to get what he needs to to get these decisions in a timely manner that I wouldn't be shocked if he got hot here for a while a couple times in this season and steals another Cy Young away from Garrett Cole here I mean again if if he is able to do that it's certainly not theft to the extent of like he shouldn't deserve it he I'm sure if Shane Bieber were to get it, whoever gets the Cy Young this year, I think is going to have incredible numbers because the top of the line pitching has been better than ever this year. So whoever wins is going to have great numbers, but I would not be shocked to see the very much clear front runner status that Garrett Cole has right now slip away by the all-star break.
3: Yeah. Uh You know, it's, it's interesting because never would I think that the Yankees are going to lose a game with, with Garrett Cole on the mound against the Tigers who have been clearly one of the worst teams in the league this year, but the Yankee offense is a real issue. Once again, we've scored two or less runs, uh, in seven of the last 11 games, uh, I believe on the season, the Yankees have only scored. Uh, actually, I'm going to check this right now to make sure I can check it very quick. So the Yankees have scored 198 runs this year. Uh, Baltimore, who's 17 and 33, has scored 194. So the Yankees have only scored four more runs than a team that is on a 10 game losing streak and is. I think has the worst record in the league. Yeah, has the worst record uh, yeah. in the league. The offense, something needs to change. Uh, Marcus Tames, the hitting coach for the Yankees, hasn't been taking any flack for the offense lately because they've been winning. And uh, something needs to change because Mike Ford is our starting first baseman now. And But LJ, the thing is, is that When you, like, go on to to baseball reference and you're looking at, like, the starting lineup of the team for the season, Mike Ford is the Yankees' first baseman. He has far and away played the most games at first base for them this year. And he's an automatic out. I mean, he is atrocious. The Yankees have to do something about center field with Hicks out now because you cannot have – Brett Gardner and Estevan Florial, who's 23 years old and is still a very young prospect, you cannot have that be your two center fielders. There's been a lot of rumors. Uh, a, a couple of Yankees Twitter accounts have been suggesting that we might be going and getting Delino DeShields Jr. Uh,
2: out of is it where is he now? Texas.
3: Uh Yes. So he hasn't even played this year because he played in 2020 with the Indians. And look, I don't want this guy. He, he (laughs) sucks. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but a 76 OPS plus over six years, like why would we, we be targeting that? Like, I guess his split numbers are kind of good. Let's see. I mean, in 2020, yeah, no, 642 OPS versus righties, 583 versus versus lefties. I don't know what what the, the, the move is here. You have to either trade for a first baseman or center fielder because we cannot keep trotting out Mike Ford and Brett Gardner as your two starting players. I mean, maybe that's a good plan for May, but come August, September, there needs to be a new – player in there
2: you're right well situations. what I'm questioning here there well there's a couple things I'm questioning here first off Rufnan Odor at second
3: yeah, well that is yeah. that's because like we if we can play DJ at first
2: yeah, DJ at first, oh, no, and
3: second is like a temper, very temporary thing. But like he's oh, okay. a guy who's like also been terrible, but he kind of didn't take any crap for it because so many other guys have been bad for, on the year. Um,
2: no, that was just a brain fart on my fault on my part. For some reason, I had it stuck in my head that he'd played short in Texas.
3: Mm, no, I was trying. To to, I
2: was trying to figure out why on earth if you had any option glaber was still at short because that's that's like priority like g on your list right now if you're the yankees but that long term has to should probably be labor some it should be something in the back of your mind especially once uh dj eventually leaves the team you've got to think Do you think they're gonna still commit to him at short
3: yes absolutely really? uh he's well his his baseball savant numbers don't look good in the Oh field. yeah don't worry about those. Yeah uh, I can I can tell you that all the routine plays are now being made. There isn't any terrible errors by him anymore. He just needs experience. Like I actually think he can end up being a solid shortstop because he has a good arm and he has good range. It's just sometimes it's the real simple plays that he's not able to make. Uh, I honestly think that he's going to be a fine shortstop. He's not going to be a great defender. You know, he's no Angelton Simmons, of course, but he's going to be able to get the job done for what the Yankees want, uh, especially because now we know we're going to have DJ locked in for, uh, you know, another five years after this one, Hicks will be locked in there. I mean, Hicks, Stanton, DJ and Glaber are, Pretty much the future of this team, uh, the current moment
2: At, of what's known. Yeah, it's always so interesting. It's kind of hard to tell with some stuff if you're not like avidly watching the Yankees all the time because New York fan bases love to complain about every anything and everything they can. It doesn't oh, matter what. Well, I
3: think Boston is the same way.
2: Yeah, but like, all right, maybe 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 it is. I don't have that outside perspective, but like. I feel like I've still been hearing across the internet cons- consistent negativity about Glaber's defensive ability at short. I'm not surprised to hear you say that he's much improved, but um, it's just interesting. You know, you don't always get the same perspective if you don't watch with them more so than other teams around the league. But where were we? Yeah, I mean, realistically here, this is a very unique spot for the Yankees, I mean, I say I say this with Corey Kluber out still, Luis Severino still not back. There's a lot of significant issues right now in the rotation that we all have a pretty strong feeling will be um, all cleared up. However, you're in a very interesting position where this team doesn't necessarily need a bolstered starter to go down the next rest of the year. This starting rotation has honestly been very solid or at least better than I thought it was going to be going into the year, which almost makes things harder because that's usually the easy thing to grab if you're a contender. It's easy if you're willing to take the risk on a Justin Verlander. This year's Justin Verlander is going to in all likelihood be Max Scherzer. I am I am quickly growing convinced that he will be moved this year and of course he would help any team but that's not what the Yankees need that's not going to put them over the top they need significant um, help throughout this lineup particularly you're right Brandon in the outfield and I'm not sure where that comes from from this potential trade market right now
3: yeah I, I'm really lost as to where or what specifically we could trade for. I'm going to do a little bit more uh, digging deep into that. But, um, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Changes need to be made. Uh, the the pitching staff has been very, very good. I mean, I'd say it's between the Yankees and the White Sox for the best pitching staff in the American League this year. Uh, just Just like based on ERA and runs allowed, I mean, those two have been killing it. The Yankees, like I said, only four more runs than the Orioles, but the Yankees have only allowed 179 runs. The next closest team is the Reds or is the Rays at 204 in the AL East. So the 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 pitching's been good. Zach Britton should be back in a little. The the bullpen is always a strength for the Yankees. Uh, it's been a winning us a lot of games and. Offense has to get better. It's as simple as that. You can't have so many guys under the Mendoza line and actually think that this is a reasonable thing to be happening.
2: No, honestly, you, at this point, and it really stinks to be a fan, I'd imagine, right now because, like, you feel like you can't fully enjoy the highs with this group. Yeah,
3: we're seven wins out of our last ten. Like, like we should be happy right now.
2: Not only should you be happy, but when the offense is producing, there was a point in, I, I want to I say, I'm just pulling this out of my head, like the last week of April through the first couple weeks of May where that offense looked fantastic and was scoring a lot of runs. Oh yeah, And everyone's like, okay, they're back. No problem. We'll have this division in no time. And now the questions are coming back. This is a fundamental problem with like the ideological – makeup of this team, the way that they are designed to function is in a way that is very streaky. Again, we talk a lot about, we talked a lot about the power. This team is going to be incredibly streaky in a very similar ilk to an Oakland right now, except with a much higher payroll. So you're still going to have the ups and the downs and you don't really know where you're going to be. And I imagine that makes it kind of challenging to enjoy When the highs get here, because you're not really sure if this if the problem has been solved, or if this is just going to drop back down sooner rather than later.
3: Yeah, uh, I think that's, that's a really well put.
2: All right, well, of course, as we said, there, there was quite a bit of rain today going up the East Coast, and because of that, we had more and more postponements and other rain problems, so we'll take you through those quick. The Rockies and Pirates, as well as the Brewers Nationals and Orioles White Sox, have, were all postponed yesterday. They will be played today and the Braves-Mets game has been postponed to a later date. For some reason, Brandon, they're letting a player decide when the game is going to get played, it looks here, because they've announced that the date will be TBD, so I'm assuming TBD is going to be deciding when they play.
3: You know, for a guy who has been on so many different clubs this year, it only makes sense that they're kind of letting him have a little bit more power than everyone else
2: conspiracy theory here tbd is like rob manford's nephew that's why he's been able to get on so many different teams during the year where like everyone's jersey and he gets this type of control over the schedule it just makes sense it's just a good fit right
3: yeah why not
2: well continuing on into our rain coverage we have the marlins and the red Sox. jorge alfaro started scoring with a two-run homer in the second Bottom three, J.D. Martinez slaps a double off the centerfield side of the Green Monster, sending two runs home. Then in the fifth, with runners on second and third, Alex Verdugo sends a three-run piss missile over the bullpen. Adam Ottavino got himself out of a bases loaded jam in the sixth before the game was stopped and eventually, two hours later, called final five to two Sox. Give the win to Martin Perez. He went five and a th- or five innings along two earned runs. The loss, of course, will go to Cody, who got his poteats ripped off by the Red Sox today. Four and a third of an inning along five earned runs and six strikeouts. The save will be given to Adam Otavino. Brandon, um, as we talked about before the show, you did not have not gotten a chance to see any of the video or pictures from this game. It was an absolute downpour that they were playing in. I was shocked that they got the last couple innings in, and you could tell every single player out on the field wanted to go home, both sides.
3: Yeah, I mean, I can imagine that this is one of those games where if it was pouring the whole way, both teams were pretty much under the assumption, all right, we're going to play the bare bare minimum innings to make sure that this gets done, which I don't know. it. It's kind of like the the seven inning doubleheaders. Like those games, just feel more intense for whatever reason. Because it's like, oh, there's like so much of a sense of urgency. And I don't know if it I, was it kind of like that, where it was it, like, oh, like it
2: was because the Red Sox ended up managing as if it was a seven inning game. Of course, they bring in Adam Ottavino in the sixth inning. Under yeah. what other pretenses would you bring in Adam Ottavino in the sixth? Basically, what had happened is they were, I think they were honestly always planning to play the bare minimum here, Mm -hmm. with Miami only coming in once this season, because you've got a 2-2 game going into the bottom of the fifth, the game goes over, you can't, it would be a terrible look if you stopped the game after the home team got to bat, and then called it. Yeah. So, you have to bring them out for the top of the sixth, and then, Brandon, believe me when i say this the rain got significantly worse in the top of the sixth
3: and it was already a downpour it
2: was it was it was at that point it was a full-on like downpour it was it, it was very bad um adam of you know of course you know got a little frustrated after the first walk went up and talked to the um umpire they tried to bring a towel out it was just a whole mess. The umpire ended up just giving him a new ball and then walking back to home plate. Adam is coming back to the mound, just shaking his head. And At that point, like when, it's, when, when everything is that wet and you have such a lack of grip, it, you get in your own head. He walked three straight batters before, I think, I forget who it was at the plate for Miami. I have a feeling that he just realized that if he put the bat on the ball, there was a good chance that they were going to have to stay longer if he tied this game up, and put together the single worst at bat of the day, just swinging at everything, looking at strikes down the middle, uh, he did everything he could to lose that at bat and lose that game. But it wasn't even just Adam Ottavino being a diva here. He had guys like he had Jesus Aguilar look the look of disgust on his face about two innings earlier when he tried to, to take a pop up and pretty much had his eyes flushed out (laughs) trying to see where this ball was it was just it was just not a good scene but they got through it they did the bare minimum to get through this and i'm happy
3: well all right uh let's move on to the padres and the astros uh this game, uh, the scoring was opened up in the top of the third on a Tommy Pham solo home run to put San Diego up one-nothing. Chaz McCormick responds uh in the bottom of the fourth with a two-run home run to give Houston a two-to-one lead. Uh, top eight, Fernando Tati steps up and uh goes yard for his 14th home run of the year, and that ties the game at two the score that would go into extra innings top 10 Manny Machado would double to put the Padres up one in the bottom of the 10th Chas McCormick sack fly to tie the game at three and uh we go to to the 11th top 11 the Padres uh put up seven runs RBI singles from Young Kim Tommy Pham Jake Cronenworth uh and also Jerks and Profar. They get an RBI double from Will Myers and a sack fly from Fernando Tatis. They walk away with a 10-3 win in extras over Houston. Uh you can give the win to Mark Melanson, uh, who is now one-no on the year. Uh, first win for him. Denilson, Lemet got the start for the Padres. Three innings, five hits, two earned three Ks. Uh, he only goes 64 pitches. Uh, the loss goes to Brooks Raley out of the Houston pen, uh, comes in in the 11th, fails to get in out three hits, uh, three earned runs. Framber Valdez. Uh, it's nice to see he got uh, a start tonight. Four innings, two hits, earned run and four strikeouts. Uh, yet, uh, Certainly two guys that I wanted to see pitch in Denilson Lamette and Framber Valdez, uh, both guys who were coming back from some sort of injury.
2: Yeah, and it's great to see Denilson Lamette finally get to step out on his own two feet and make the start for himself. They've been toying around with him so much since he came back this season, doing all sorts of follower opener stuff where he hasn't really gotten a full shake to show just how good he is and how, how good he was, how good he will be. So for me, it's really great to see him go out there and get to be the future guy. All
3: right. Uh, Now on to the Royals and the twins. Uh, This game will be scoreless until the bottom of the fourth when Mitch Garbert goes deep to make it one, nothing, Minnesota, the Royals responds scoring eight runs across the fifth and seventh innings uh so many singles and doubles here I mean they get RBI singles from Whit Merrifield Carlos Santana Salvador Perez Alberto Mondesi and then RBI doubles from uh Michael A. Taylor and Whit Merrifield uh Kansas City goes on to win this one eight to three. Give the win to Chris Bubich, uh, his first win on the year. Six innings, four hits, one earned, five Ks. Randy Dobnak takes the loss for Minnesota. Six innings, nine hits, six earned, and three Ks for him.
2: All right, next up we have St. Louis and Arizona here and St. Louis got off to quite the start in this game. They put up four runs in the top of the first, including a two-run home run by Tyler O'Neill. They held that four-run lead until the bottom of the eighth. During this time, Nolan Arenado hit his 11th home run of the year. The Cardinals hold on to win this one 8-6 to six over the Diamondbacks and maintain their lead in the NL Central standings give the win to Jake Woodford. The loss will be given to Madison Bumgarner. He went four innings, allowing six earned runs. And the save will go to Daniel Ponce de Leon. His second save on the season, really coming in here and pitching well of late in the back end of this bullpen, helping out spot when needed. And just... Great on the Cardinals to continue to keep up this what little lead they have here in the NL Central standings as we're about to go over and look at the Cubs and Reds game, which came down to one swing. The bottom of the fifth, 2-0 count, and David Bodie belts a home run out to left field. Line, clean line drive, his fifth on the year, and the Cubs will go on to win one nothing. Give the win to Albert Alzelay. He went five and two-thirds of an inning of shutout ball with six strikeouts. The loss will be given to Vladimir Gutierrez. He went five innings, allowing one earned run and the save to Craig Kimbrell, his 12th. And I've honestly, you know, that they've been one of the more shocking teams of late, playing fantastic ball, of course, eight and two in their last 10. And they're, they're showing that they can turn it this, this group is talented enough to turn it on when they need to. They currently sit a half game behind the St. Louis Cardinals for the lead in the NL Central at a 28 and 22 record, two games out of a wild card berth right now. Brandon, first off, or at some point in this whole conversation, I'd like your thoughts on this that play the other day by Javi Baez. But first, could the Cubs have been doing this the right way and we just didn't see it?
3: Uh, I honestly don't think so. I mean, look, they're on a nice stretch right now and have certainly been playing well to start the year. But that still doesn't really explain some of the moves this offseason. I mean, realistically, they had no reason trading away you, Darvish. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. He was pr- pretty much the favorite for Cy Young the whole year until he goes down. And then Trevor Bauer is able to capitalize. Uh, I think if if uh, Hugh Darvish is able to pitch the whole year and doesn't have to miss those two or three starts, uh, it's a very close race between him and Bauer. And I don't know. It just says something to me that if you go and you trade away a guy like that for pennies on the dollar it's not a great look and I mean if the Cubs do want to sort of retool resell it's not like a rebuild it's sort of like what the Yankees did in 2016 2017 where if you have some prospects that you like you can trade away some some of your major league talent for other major league talent as well to sort of try to stay in it. Cause we, I mean, I mean we know the Cubs will spend money. Certainly this offseason they, they didn't and they cut a lot of their payroll, but we've seen them in the past spend money. So could they be on the right track? Absolutely. Um, but it, it just says a lot to me when you trade away you Darvish that I just can't really get on board with what they're doing. Um, but I could, be completely proven wrong. Right?
2: Yeah, the Udarvish Darvish thing is the big plot hole in their whole, well, really the pitching, I think. The starting pitching yeah. is the plot hole in their, the story of their season, because it would have been very easy for them to not make the decisions to have the major pl- players in their starting rotation exit that they did. And it would have made a huge difference. I mean, currently, You've, got, you've gotten some good starts as well as some bad out of Kyle Hendricks and Albert Al- Alzale First off, it's very telling that those are the first two starters in your rotation. That is not a good sign. This has not been a good starting rotation this year. So, you, But you've gotten some good out of them. If you're replacing Zach Davies with Hugh Darvish, that's a huge upgrade there. And if you're replacing... John Lester with Trevor Williams, that's another big upgrade at that position. So then from there, it's still not a great rotation. It's maybe not even a good rotation, but it's a much improved rotation. However, if you look away from the the starting lot, starting rotation right now, which I keep saying rotation, I'll, I'll stop. They've done they've done they've done a good job. I mean oh, yeah,
3: the, the bullpen has been really good.
2: The bullpen's been fantastic, and the retooling that they have done and the work that they've put in and other players on this team have put in this year has been fantastic for them in the offensive lineup. This was one of the worst offenses last year that we had. I mean, they just weren't putting balls in play. That was the big issue. They basically had a bunch of Kyle Schwarbers out there, they let Kyle Schwarber go. They let a bunch of other guys go here and stuck with guys that they wanted. They got they have guys here now that are putting the ball in play, and that has been good enough to put them at number seven in on-base percentage among all teams this season. They're stealing a lot of bases, too. I have a very hard time complaining with the lineup that they're putting out here right now. I mean, Jock Peterson fantastic pickup and he hasn't really even shown his best stuff in my opinion like I think there's a lot more there's a a lot better things are going to come from having Jack Peterson being your left fielder every day than we have seen so far Chris Bryant has retooled his game and become the MVP caliber star that he was a couple years ago before people figured out how to pitch to launch angle Javi Baez you know one of the most unnecessarily hated players in the game. We've been talking about this a lot lately. Him and your three-hole is fantastic. Those three, one, two, three, I can't complain with that. And the rest of the lineup is really good. So I think they've done, they've made the right moves everywhere about that rotation, in my opinion.
3: Yeah. And uh, speaking of Javi Baez, I can certainly give my reaction to the play. So... LJ, me and you, I mean, you heard some of my reaction because we were together for a bit yesterday. So we were able to sort of talk about the play a little bit. But so here's, here's my thoughts on it. There's two outs. Wilson Contreras, the runner on third base, literally means nothing to the play because there's two outs.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Even though that he is safe, if they make the force out at first base, the run doesn't count. Craig, you,
2: you forgot a very critical piece of this. Wilson Contreras was on second.
3: <laughs> yeah, he was. He, when <laughs> I just don't know what Will Craig is doing. Like,
2: if if Will Craig had played him. that right, if he had played that correctly, even one ounce, no outs, no matter what, Wilson Contreras should not have scored. That should have been a pump fake to freeze the runner at most and then run straight at bias.
3: Secondly,
1: um,
3: He, I mean, he should have never thrown the ball to home, but can we talk about how Javi Baez also called him safe at home?
2: (laughs) He he completely forgot he was still in the play.
3: Oh, yeah. And he's standing like he calls him safe, and then the ump actually calls obstruction on one. I, I don't know who he calls obstruction on, but essentially granting bias first base. Um, I mean, but the thing is, Javi, it, because there's two outs and that run doesn't matter, Javi trying to get in a rundown makes no sense because even after Javi calls him safe, if they just run up and tag him, that run doesn't count and it, it, they get out of it. And then how about what happens afterwards? So a run scores on that play, and then they allow a hit the next play yeah. to score more runs. And that's what lost the Pirates the game. I mean, but it's not just Will Craig. You're telling me no one from the Pittsburgh dugout or another infielder or the catcher is, like, yelling, tag them! tag them!" Like, yeah,
2: there has well, to be
3: someone yelling there.
2: Well, well for starters, let's just – Let's take him another minute to remind people as a first baseman, I believe Will Craig is a career first baseman.
3: I've never heard of this guy before ever.
2: I'm, I'm assuming he is. Let's say he is. Yes. Only position he's got in reference is first base. It's the only place he's played with the pirates at least. So he's in his major league career. He's never played anywhere else at first base. There has never been an instance in the history of baseball where you'd have to have a guy in a run down on the first baseline. No, because there's nowhere for him to go back to. Again, you don't ha- you never had to throw it to first because or back to the catcher. If you had done this correctly, the only reason the throw had to go back to the catcher wasn't because of the pickle. It was because the run was coming home would be the only good reason to throw it to the catcher. However, the runner should never have made it that far. Even if you were trying to tag him because You should have been able to beat him to beat beat the runner that was on second base. You should have been able to beat him to home because Baez only has a limited amount of places. He can't go back and be safe. You just have to beat him to Baez. That's all you had to do. But you're right. Somebody should have been telling him there. But the thing that bothers me more here, Adam Frazier. You have Adam Frazier who's competing to be an all-star. He is desperately trying to be one of, or not one of, the only All Star from this Pittsburgh team this year. It's gonna go. It's gonna go down to him and uh, what's his face?
3: Stallings. Yeah, I mean the fact that all teams have to be represented, so like it's we great. know that there's probably only only gonna be one or two guys, we, or no, it's probably between him and uh, Brian Reynolds. That's what I was thinking of. Thank you. Not Stallings.
2: But yeah, there's literally two guys on your team that have a legitimate chance to go this year to the All-Star game. You are one of them. You are supposed to be, quote, technically the best player on this team. Why are you not uh, at covering first base? Have you played baseball before? Like, what is there for you to be doing in between first and second during that play. There's the right
3: fielder. Like, like I don't know. I understand that the right fielder may be out of position a bit. But when you're seeing the play unfold, like you are actively running towards the play. Yes.
2: The Gre- Gregory I, Blanco shouldn't.
3: Frazier was so shocked at what, ha- at like, not, not shocked, but he was like, what is going on that he just assumed that he was going to tag him and that was going to be it.
2: No, honestly, this is part of a long trend I've seen here of the simple fundamental pieces that just require a little bit of hustle leaving the major league game. Because there is no reason for him to get stuch- stuck watching anything. Even if he was responsible for covering second, if he was the guy covering second at that moment in time, as soon as he saw the hit to the right side of the in or left side of the infield, he should have been on his way over to first to back up first. Yeah. Should have been going that way immediately as soon as he saw the ball go over there. So there's no real reason for him not to be anywhere near the back. As much as Gregory Polanco should also be backing up. If if things were perfect, if both of them were going to back up first, Frazier should have been the one there. Frazier should have been the one on the bag if yeah. that was the case. Where is he? You're a professional. Will Craig, and I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden because he doesn't deserve that attention Frazier. right now. Adam Frazier, he doesn't deserve, deserve to have me know him because you are professionals play like professionals i mean i i i I know i i'm going to say right now i couldn't do it however you're being paid a lot of money to do this i am being paid not a lot of money to be critical of you and to make commentary and entertainment based around you so i'm i'm i think i'm doing a pretty good job of my part yeah how about you do yours
3: Well, let's move on to the A's and the Angels game where we were scoreless through the first six innings, but uh, we did have a bit of controversy. Uh, Shohei Otani plunks Mark Canna, and it was, LJ, I would say it was a pretty high hit-by-pitch. Or no, he didn't even hit him. It was just like kind of a brushback, right?
2: Uh, It was both. That's the thing.
3: Both, yes so
2: yeah so the br- so the brushback came with a high fastball which i don't think was it didn't look intentional at that it, point it in was time.
3: it was uh, clearly not intentional
2: but then Kana had had a few words shohei responded and then next thing you know Kana and suzuki are jawing at each other and it just became a whole scene then and then you could tell like not only was it a complete complete miss by Otani, but he was like, oh, crap. As soon as he let go of that ball and it sailed into Kana's back. Brandon, I'm not sure what's going to come of this. The reactions of both of them after the play made it seem to me like Kana did respect this as an accident. I haven't heard if anything was said after the game or not, but... I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how this goes tomorrow.
3: Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it are like a lot of the reason why we have bench clearing brawls. These guys want to win so bad that, I mean, they, they really do take it like they really do get this much into the game. I mean, these guys in the MLB, I, I think that we undervalue how much they, they want to win because I mean, I can't imagine what it must be like to be in the clubhouse of a team that loses over 100 games. I mean, that just must be not a fun – like, that cannot be fun for them whatsoever. So
2: No, and you see see it in the numbers of good players that end up on those teams. Yeah. There are very few good players that play up to their caliber on bad teams.
3: And – not only that, it's just like I think we need to start you know appreciating how much these how hard these guys actually do go out there and play because yeah i'm but in terms of this game, um bottom six is our first scoring event, Matt Olson sacked fly uh, to make it one zero, but then gets it the tied back up top seven, a David Fletcher with a single. Then the A's uh, try to put this one in the bag for good. Bottom seven, they get two RBI singles from Matt Chapman and Sean Murphy to take a three to one lead. And uh, they're able to hold on and win uh, getting this win over the angels. Uh, and the win goes to use Petit LJ. He's seven and Oh, out of the bullpen this year. Uh You know, I was thinking about this, too. With the way that that starting pitchers are being used now, where they're not going five innings as much anymore, we could potentially in the future see a relief pitcher lead the league in the win stat.
2: I I don't see that coming, and that's only because I am predicting in the very near future that the five-inning rule will no longer exist. Mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of need for it anymore. I, I don't see the ent- entirely the need for it to begin with. I mean, I get it was trying to make it so, like, the ridiculous starts aren't like that. But even if you if you decrease that number, I think that's better. I wouldn't care if you got rid of it. I wouldn't care if an opener that only went an inning in two-thirds – ended up with the win because they scored the first run in the first inning and he left scoreless. That wouldn't affect me that much. However, these guys aren't necessarily choosing to get pulled as early as they are. Like It's not like they're like, I'm gassed, take me out all the time. These teams don't want to put them in more than two innings. They shouldn't be completely screwed out of this stat. So I think in the very near future, we will see the innings requirement for the win stat disappear.
3: Well, um, Sean who who is the starter for Oakland in, in their win, six and two thirds, six hits, one earned run, and eight Ks. Otani goes six innings, three hits, three runs, four walks and five strikeouts. Uh, save to Lou Trevino, his seventh on the year. LJ, this this uh, next game that, that you're going to break down uh, was a fun one.
2: Yeah, in hindsight, this probably should have been the game of the day. I unfortunately do not have the cable package with me, so I didn't get to see some of this late action here. But some of these plays have just been insane. We've got the Giants and the Dodgers is, of course, who we're talking about right now. Top of the second scoring starts with a sacrifice fly by Donovan Solano, only to be tied by Matt, the RBI man, BD, home run, his second of the year. And then Steven Duger takes the lead back in the top of the fifth with a home run of his own. Chris Taylor would drive in another run for the Dodgers, in the bottom of that inning, and the score would be 2-2 until the top of the eighth as Buster Posey pops a fly ball out to left center field and scores three runs on this homer, his 10th of the year. It is now a 5-2 LA lead in the ninth, and what do you know? Austin Barnes is up to up to bat with two runners on. count, Austin Barnes sends a drive deep to left center field to tie the game. Later that inning, the machine, Albert Pujols, has his, uh, his own opportunity to end this game, put the dagger in the hearts of every single Giants fan. He sends a ball deep. He sends a ball high. He sends the ball far and unfortunately comes up just short. Ends up having the game winner robbed of him, and we go into the 10th. A tenth that was very favorable for the Giants. They score three runs in the top of the tenth, including a double by Evan Longoria. And hold on, they hold on then to win this game eight to five. Give the win to Tyler Rogers out of the bullpen. Anthony Disco got this start. He went four and two-thirds of an inning, allowing two earned runs. The loss will go to Kenley Jansen. And the save goes to Jarlin Garcia out of their bullpen. he pitched that important 10th inning, which now has them both tied for second in the NL West at 31 and 20.
3: Yeah. It feels a little Indiana sick that
2: that's the tie for second.
3: Yeah, San Diego has been really hot lately. I think they've won 15 of their last 20, uh, which only the Rays have done. And this is going to be a fun summer because LJ, you know, we've been talking so much about the race to Memorial Day, which which is right is,
2: here.
3: <laughs> it's here. I mean, it's, it's tomorrow. So it's, this is certainly everything that we've wanted. Uh, we've certainly been able to, see the uh the league pan out a little bit i mean we know kind of what the outlook of the league looks like but there's still so much baseball left that it's it's going to be a really fun season
2: yeah i think of course this probably should be what we spend the bulk of our time with i will not be here tomorrow but on monday's show will be what we spend the bulk of our time with is talking about where we feel we're at with the league right now and all of everything that's going on right now, how, how closely we've predicted it, how we think these races are shaping up. But I think there have been very few surprises here. I think the only division that is left unsettled right now is the East. I think everything else has put themselves, everyone else has put themselves into commanding positions to at least be either in competition or out of competition for the rest of the season.
3: All right. Well, we are um, very quickly approaching the hour mark on the show. So let's uh, keep rolling here uh, and speed through the rest of this. Still have two more game recaps. First, the Rangers and the Mariners. Seattle scores three runs in the first three innings, thanks to a Ty France single and Kyle Lewis home run. Uh, Chris Davis gets a sack fly for the Rangers, and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa uh, is able to single in the top of the fifth to pull within one, but there's no scoring for the rest of the game. Seattle's bullpen locks it down, and they win 3-2, uh, give the win to Justice Sheffield, now 4-4 four and four on the year, five innings, six hits, two earned, one strikeout. Jordan Lyles takes the loss for the Rangers. Six innings, six hits, three earned and eight Ks. And the save goes to Eric Swanson for the Mariners. And then the last game that we're going to talk about, the Blue Jays and the Indians. Uh, This one was also shortened by by weather, uh, only going seven innings. But Toronto scores six in the first three innings. They get a RBI doubles from Danny Jansen, Randall Gritchick, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, Joe Panic goes yard tonight as well, and then top five. So uh, up six two, Toronto adds more with a, another Lourdes Gurriel RBI double and a eight to two Joe Panic singles. Uh, to make it 9 2. And then Santiago Espinal later on in the game uh, completely blows it open to make it 11 2. The Blue Jays walk away with the victory in seven innings or in six and a half innings. The Indians not allowed to hit in the bottom of the seventh, as the game is called due to the weather. Uh, you can give the win to Hyunjin Ryu, five innings, four hits, two earned 6Ks.
0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at Luckylandslots.com. play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. VoIP prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh,
3: for the Indians, Eli Morgan takes the loss two and two thirds, eight hits, six earned one strikeout LJ. The Indians use five pitchers and in seven innings. Uh, uh, I question how that's possible. I mean, I guess when you get a starter and go less than three, that's that is certainly a possibility. But it's, you know, seems a bit extreme. I don't know.
2: Especially yeah, I mean, when... it's 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 a lot of pitchers doing not a lot of pitching. But I mean, I, I honestly, what what are your thoughts on that? I have no done no research into this, but. Logically speaking, I feel like the standard works best of less guys going more innings is more efficient towards keeping a team, like, rested. However, in a way, more guys doing less work would achieve the same feat, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like you have to be able to balance out because these guys want to pitch, right? Like, they need to stay Mm -hmm. in some sort of, uh, groove grew, uh, or sort, sort of uh, like, you know, some sort of routine where they know I'm going to be pitching two or three times a week. So you have to get them work at some point, uh, just to keep their arms fresh. But yeah, uh, that it would make sense. Yeah, but um,
2: I believe it's time for the PPP. Yeah, particular players people may care about. I'll go first because mine is really just another appreciation moment for a guy we've been talking about a lot here. Craig Kimbrell gave him a lot of flack in 2018, but truly is one of the best pitchers of this last era, this last decade. And is showing that he is that again after a couple of rough seasons to start his tenure in Chicago. He's right back on top right now. Not including tonight's save, which, again, another fantastic day for him here. He has a .86 ERA with a 1.55 FIP. And in terms of war, which is even more interesting, he was sitting at a 1.2 before he got another save today. So I can't imagine that went down much, if any with that number, which means the only reliever in the league with a higher war than him right now is Matt Barnes at one point three. This guy is right back at the top of his game and I am all here for it.
3: All right. My one guy is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh had a great game tonight. Two for two with two doubles uh for three RBIs and scores three runs as well. Uh you know a guy who's certainly not been playing the greatest this year uh but can provide toronto with you know when he's on i mean to be uh, getting that kind of production out of the six hole is really good he's hitting 257 this year which is way above average, uh, but he hasn't really done anything in the power side as the OPS is very much lacking. But, you know, if you can just get that guy in the six or seven hole to, in your lineup to, you know, come through with a clutch hit, extend the inning, uh, that's what you, it's what you want out of them. And two for two, three RBIs, uh, really nice game for him tonight.
2: All right, Brandon, how about we do an unextended leaderboard here? Of course, sure. this is technically our weekly roundup day.
3: We can do an due extended to, leaderboard do, tomorrow. Due to,
2: due, to, due to time constraints, we will jump you ahead in yesterday's action.
3: Yeah, uh, we'll do the extended leaderboard tomorrow. Um, it will just be me, so that'll be perfect. Uh, but as for for hitters, Vladdy Jr. with 3.2. Castellanos at 2.8 Bogarts Muncie Buxton at 2.6 war for pitchers Garrett Cole at 3.0 Jacob DeGrama at 2.4 Corbin Burns at 2.3 uh home runs is a tie between Adales Garcia and Vladdy Jr. at 16 and then we have our good piece of hitting percentage and, and good piece of pitching percentage uh Juan Soto still leads the hitters in in good piece of hitting percentage at fifty two percent, and uh, Corbin Burns. I'm assuming this is Corbin Burns and not uh, Patrick Corbin. LJ. Yes, yeah, so
2: that's Corbin Burns.
3: Okay, uh, leads the good piece of pitching percentage with sixty point three percent. The other hitters, or I should say, yeah, I should have said the other hitters first behind Soto. So Soto's at a fifty two. Longoria at 51.5, and Ronald Acuna 51.3. For the pitchers, it's uh, Corbin Burns at 60.3, Jacob DeGrom at 57.9, and Carlos Rodon at 51.9. But, uh, LJ, what do you say that we talk about? Uh, You have one team from – or two teams from the NL, one that's hot, one that's not, and I have the same from the AL.
2: Um, Yes, real quick before you say that, just a quick update on Corbin Burns and his history. He has, of course, not the best week for his GPP percentage, as he has dropped down now below Kenley Jansen in 2017. Kenley Jansen now still holds the top mark for a percentage in a season, even though granted that was a full season at 60.9% with Burns at 60.3%. Maybe he'll get back up above it. However, he is still worlds above any other starter through this amount of time. So in terms of who is hot and who is not, my hot team here, of course, is going to be the Chicago Cubbies. Uh, We were talking about them earlier. I don't have to go into too much detail with why I'm really liking this lineup. I'm really liking this bullpen. I'm really liking this closer. And that's a lot of why they are eight and two right now and have won their last five. So they're sitting now a half game out of the central lead. It is not out of the realm of possibilities that they end up leading the NL Central at the end of the race to Memorial Day. So this would be something very unexpected from our early predictions after looking at this roster looking at the significant downgrades they did to their starting pitching, the kind of gross moves that they made there, particularly with Leicester, we were not very high on this team that didn't perform well last year to begin with. So if they were to do that, that puts the league on notice that this team, this, this organization, while cutting costs, is moving in the right direction. As for who is not here that answer was pretty simple here. It's the Arizona Diamondbacks who are quickly becoming the new Kansas City Royals. Royals also props to the Royals for kind of evening themselves out here. They haven't been playing terrible of late. They're playing more on par with what we thought they would, but the Diamondbacks now losers of 12 straight. And I, I, I don't know when it's getting better because they don't have anything to really show for it. I mean, who's been producing it on the on par to make you say this team has a future. This team has guys here who are going to turn it around and it's going to be at least a bearable second half of the season here. The only story that you see out of this team is us consistently questioning whether or not Madison Bumgarner is good. Still. Like
3: us I feel consistently like having to, to bring up that. Yes his his no-hitter counts
2: yes like I feel like especially now that Zach Gallon has missed time leaving Madison Bumgarner is the only like only pitcher on this team that matters I mean there's not a lot for me to care about here other than every now and then checking to see did he have a good start or are we going to start talking about this again or did he suck and we're going to put this to bed for another week until he gets his next start it's a very frustrating and frankly boring cycle to me could tell is also sitting here with a 368 on base percentage not a lot of people are talking about that not a lot of people would care about that with how bad this team is playing how bad this team is and how bad this team will be
3: lj um... i'm very down
2: on diamondbacks i didn't realize it until i started talking
3: The one guy though who I do want to bring up really quick here on the Diamondbacks, Carson Kelly, he's in the hundredth percentile for expected WOBA this year,
2: four fifty-eight on base.
3: Yeah, has been killing it. I mean, trade him. Other than him though, you know, losing twelve in a row and seventeen of your last twenty is not ideal.
2: No, it's not again another another former member of the St. Louis Cardinals organization that is now making a very good career for themselves elsewhere. the running trend of the year
3: all right, my hot and not team, the American League it's the Tampa bay Rays uh look they're hot I mean they've won fifteen of their last twenty uh they've been hitting the ball actually really good compared to the rest of the teams in the league. Uh, over the last 20 games, the Rays are, are uh, top 10, or this is top 12 in top twelve in batting average. Uh, they're, they certainly don't draw a lot of walks, but slugging percentage, they've been very good. They're on their fifth behind uh, the Red Sox, Astros, Braves, and Blue Jays. And this is a team who, you know, like I always I've I've said this a couple of times, but you always know that they're gonna pitch well. I mean, it doesn't matter who they have on their roster, they find ways to pitch themselves and really keep themselves in every game. And I mean, it helps when you have a really good ace in Tyler Glass now as well this year, but they can pitch and when the offense gets going, it's, 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 it's really scary because they do have offensive talent that is really good. Like Randy or Rosa Raina, like Austin Meadows, like a Joey Wendell who has been really good this year. So it, they're a scary team when they can get their offense going. Uh, Yeah.
2: Real, oh, yeah. Real quick on that. So, I mean, This is like the anti-Diamondbacks where we can't find a positive storyline. The biggest problem for the Rays right now is the fact that they have too much talent. Like, I mean, they just had to trade one of the better defensive middle infielders in the game in order to bring up the guy who isn't the top prospect in the league. They still have another top 30 prospect that's supposed to be going in their middle infield. This is a very talented group right now. I'm, I'm all for it.
3: A team that is certainly not a talented group right now is the Baltimore Orioles. (laughs) Uh, They have also won three of their last 20 games uh, and are currently on a 10 game slide. Uh, You know, I don't really need to say a lot here. I think that if we were going to pick, you know, teams to lose 10 games in a row this year, well, first of all, we would not have picked Kansas city, but like you said, they have even themselves out. Uh, But I would have picked Baltimore. Certainly. Uh, Starting pitching has been rough outside of John means, uh, you know, Bruce, Bruce Zimmerman, Dean Kramer, They've struggled. He's been
2: shaking a lot this year. Yeah. The Crummer has been
3: shaken. He's like 0-6 or something like that. So he's struggling. And uh, Trey Mancini got he took a really hard hit by pitch like off the elbow the other night as well. So the Orioles just like if like you're an Orioles fan right now, you are wishing that there was a time machine and you could just skip ahead four years and hopefully it's it's okay for you then.
2: As a 2020 Red Sox fan, I can say they're not wishing for that. They're, they would be willing to settle for just a time machine that would skip them ahead until like mid-August.
3: <laughs> Believe yeah.
2: me, I don't think I could have lasted with the 2020 Red Sox for an 162-game season. I barely got through a 60-gamer. So I have no clue how they do it, how they're going to do it. But... Uh, I, I hope there's light at the end of the tunnel. Not not enough light that they win the division, but, like, enough light where they've got winning seasons. All
3: right, LJ, you uh want to do a little uh, Players of the Week segment here. We went on to the Bat Flip podcast and uh, talked about a couple Players of the Week on there, and uh, we figured why not also do it on here. We're going to talk about – uh. A few of the same guys who we talked about, but we each have our own uh, specific reasons for picking them. So I'll let you take it away with your guy.
2: Yeah, I, I gotta be honest, I com- also should say I completely forgot we did this over there. So this wasn't intentional. <laughs> um, I I had a tough I had a tough decision here. I ultimately ended up going with Austin Riley, who has been absolutely murdering the ball. I'm pretty sure there's a couple of arrest warrants out there for him right now. He over the last Week has had five games, and he's hit five home runs with 10 RBIs. I was also very strongly considering Adoles Garcia, as well as Fernando Tatis, who's played very well. What what it came down to was between Adoles Garcia and Austin Riley, Austin Riley's been making a lot of contact, and when a lot of contact is made, a lot of good things can happen, 421 average over the last week. Great job, Austin Riley. You're my player of the week.
3: My player of the week is Jesse Winker. Uh, in the last seven days, six games, five home runs, a 480 batting average, 519 on base percentage, a 1000 slugging percentage. So that's a 1.5, uh, OPS plus. Actually, yeah, it's a 1.599 OPS plus. Uh, a 326 weighted runs created plus, or I meant OPS, excuse me. And uh, just absolutely killing the ball. Jesse Winker is going to be an all-star. He has been so good this year. LJ, it's starting, it's to, get into, fan nominee. It's starting to get into like serious all-star game talk conversations here in like a yeah, couple I mean, of weeks we have- this is going to be like we're going to have to try to map out what the rosters are going to look like the full 33 man rosters
2: we're going to have to have a serious meeting to figure out what we're going to talk about soon but i think that's something we have to break down we got to break down these standings in depth we got to break down these all-stars because there's a lot of guys here that we've we have spewed a lot of names at you over the past two months. And they kind of do need to all be organized.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we certainly talk about a a lot of players that are good. I mean, that's why we have the PPP, but once we're able to really sit down and say, okay, you know, who do we like at at third base in the national league? Who do we like here? Uh, What, what pitchers are going to make it? Uh, That's honestly one of the most fun things to do though, is, you know, try to figure out what guys are going to make the all-star game. I mean, Oh, exactly. So, but uh, I think that that is going to do it for this episode of the MLB daily podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, Be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at MLB daily pod. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore caram and LJ at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiora.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom Alpha space, from closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages. You can transform any area with Alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.